So what's discipleship? Discipleship is simply one person or one believer showing another believer how to live the Christian life. That's what discipleship is. So we're going to try and explain to you this process of discipleship because it's part of what Jesus uh, wanted us to live in our life. He laid down um, a very clear idea that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations. That means we're into this process of educating, a process of uh, um, equipping, a process of training others to be what Jesus wants them to be. Just as we are being trained by Jesus and being discipled by somebody else, we also are discipling others to do that. So we're wanting to equip you today to do this. And we want to talk about why you are someone's best disciple. Why you are somebody's best disciple. The scriptures that you read and read, will, will, um, you can write them down. But you're somebody's best disciple because you are committed to the person of Jesus. I mean, you can't really disciple somebody to live a Christian life unless you love Jesus, unless you're committed to Jesus, unless you're faithful to Jesus. If you're not committed to Jesus, you're not faithful to Jesus, you don't love Jesus, what would you be discipling the other person to do? It, it sounds like, well, you need to have that as the premise. And you need to be obedient to his directive. So when, when Jesus speaks to your life, when Jesus speaks into your life, a disciple is a person who says, okay, I'm listening to you, Jesus, and I really want to change my life. I really want to do what you want me to do. I'm listening to you. I want to change to be what, like you want me to be. And so you're obedient to the directions he gives you. You've accepted the obligation that you're going to probably suffer for this. I mean, it, to be a Christian in the world usually means that you get a lot of flack from people in, in our society. It means that you're the, uh, probably the worst you'll, you'll get is a punch in the mouth. Maybe I don't think they'll chop your head off just about here now. Uh, but probably if you're in Iran or Iraq, they'll probably chop your head off if you say you're a Christian. So you've got an obligation to suffer. If you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus says, you know, you're going to die for me. Would you be willing to die for me? No, it's not that you should go and kill for him, which is the faith of some, but it's would you die for him? If you put on the, on the line, would you say, I'm not going to give up my faith to follow Jesus even if you cut my head off? Cut away because... I'm going to go be with the Lord. You can't take that away from me. And you're a partner in the work of God. You're fourthly a partner in the work of God. That, that basically means that you understand what Jesus wants to do and you've got alongside him and said, let's do it together. I'll work with you. I'll, I'll, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll get alongside you, Jesus. Let's work together. And so he has a field and you go and work in the field with Jesus to win other people to the Lord. That's why you're the best disciple, because you've got all those four things happening in your life. You love Jesus, you love his word, and your life is moulded by his hand. And when your life is moulded by his hand, you're the best disciple for someone else. You're passionate about change in your life. Now listen, change is uncomfortable for a lot of people. In fact, when we change things, usually people go, oh, I don't like change, they say. I don't like change. It's like, you know, if you shift something or you do something different than what's normally been done before, usually you run into a lot of trouble because people like routine. They like it the way they are. It's like a drumbeat. They don't change the routine. I'm used to this routine. And as soon as you change the routine, they get uncomfortable. They don't know how it is meant to be. And we generally build our lives around ritual. We feel, we feel comfortable when things are the way they're meant to be. And as soon as you change something, we, we start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. But change is normal. In fact, it's essential for the life of a believer, for the life of a disciple. In fact, we are changing from one state into another state. We're changing from one kind of person into a different kind of person. We're changing from what we used to be like to what Jesus wants us to be like. So we're changing. In Jeremiah, we're told that uh, Jeremiah went down, God told Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and, and, and have a look down at the potter's house. So he ran, he ran down to the potter's house and there the Lord spoke to him and he said, look, Jeremiah, I want you to see what's happening here. And as the potter was making a clay vase, the clay marred in his hand. Probably there was a rock in the clay or something and he grabbed that potter's hand and it marred in his hand and he threw the rock out and he started to make another vessel. 
And God said to, Eli, uh, to, to Jeremiah, that's what the children of Israel are. And in fact, that's what we are like. We are like a lump of moist clay on the Lord's wheel. And he is putting his fingers into our lives and molding us to the vessel he wants us to be like. You know, you're not going to have a good fun time if you are too hard on that clay wheel you know you sit there and the clay is too hard what does he do he drops you in a bucket of water and makes you go soft before you can start working with you and he puts you in the center puts makes you so you see and then he starts pushing his fingers into you to mold you into something and all of that causes some sort of grief and pain in our lives when jesus starts to mold but i wouldn't be anywhere else i wouldn't be anywhere else I knew where I was when I, when I was in the world and I know what I'm like now and I'm glad that the Lord has put his fingers in my life and started to mould my life and change my life. You know, if we don't change, nothing changes. If we don't change our behaviour, nothing changes. If we keep on doing the same thing that we've been doing all along, nothing will change in our lives. Jesus says he wants to change us. And I say, go right ahead. I'm ready for change. Put your hand up if you're ready for some change. I don't want to be doing next year what I did last year. And I don't want to be doing in 20 years' time what I did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I did stuff that was immature and and childish and, and carnal. And I don't want to do that stuff. I want to be changed to be more like Jesus. I want to be looking. I want to be acting. I want to be thinking more like Jesus. Change is essential in our lives for that to take place. And while it is uncomfortable and while it is painful and while it might not be nice for us, unless we come and let Jesus change our lives, we will repeat the same problem over and over and over and over again. You see, discipleship is the commitment to change, to become more like Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to change to become more like Jesus. <laughs> uh, just reply to that person, yes, you need to. <laughs> so we're going to ask ourselves, how can we be permanently changed? How can your life permanently be stamped and fashioned by Jesus? How can we get to a place where we can be permanently changed by Jesus? I know that... Um, if we don't change, we will repeat the things that we did before. And that change is essential for us to be new, to do something different in our lives. But we want to be changed and fashioned by Jesus, not changed and fashioned by other things. So how can my life be permanently stamped and fashioned by Jesus? And the Bible says that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But what, but what Jesus is saying is this, his word is the agent of change that takes our lives and changes us toward being more like Jesus. We gain nourishment and we gain refreshment from his word and that nourishment and refreshment feeds into our spirit and our spirit begins to grow. And as our spirit begins to grow, we begin to change to become more like God, become more like Jesus. You know, as, a, as you feed a child, as you nourish a child, as you give a child milk, the child starts to develop. It just happens naturally. It doesn't, it's not so. In fact, you can always tell a child that's malnourished because there isn't, essentially no change in their lives they don't not strong enough to get up and not strong enough to start walking not strong enough to start crawling they they're weak in every regard they are retarded in their development because of the lack of nourishment and the lack of food in their lives and so we need to have the food of god we need to have the word of god it needs to be our nourishment and our refreshment for that change to take place in our lives that's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And I like what he starts off in verse 1. It says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious. Now, I, I like those three verses together. And the reason why I like it is because it starts off in the right place. You've got to change 
Because if you are still moaning and gristling about the stuff that you were moaning and gristling about some years ago, you've not changed at all. You've got to get out of where you are and get into some a, a different place. He says, leaving, uh, putting aside all malice. Uh, look, if the thing that is chewing you up and you can never get over it, it's chewing you up, it chewed you up 20 years ago when you started to chew you up, and today it's still chewing you up because you never got over it, and it's still going to chew you up in 20 years, so you need to get over it. You need to get out of that and say, look, you know, God wants me to change. I can't change what happened to me. I can't change what I did, but I can actually get rid of that malice and that bad attitude that I got with God. I can lay it aside and I can move on in my life. I can move on in my life. If you don't change, when you're on your deathbed, you'll be saying, oh, that person, I just hate them for what they did for me. I'll never forgive them. And you wasted your whole life because you're still embracing the thing that chewed you up at the beginning. Change means you have to lay aside something to get into something else. And the Bible tells us very clearly, lay aside that old malice and that old way of behavior. It says all the evils, if you still speak the same way as you spoke 20 years ago. Some of you aren't 20 years old yet. If you still speak the same way as you spoke when you are Every second word's an F and every third word is something else, you know, and, you, and it's all bad coming out your mouth. If you haven't changed the way you speak, nothing will change in your life. It will still be the same. And when you're 50 years old, you'll be still sitting there and dropping an F bomb somewhere or saying something you shouldn't say. Evil speaking, swearing and cussing somewhere along the line. You've got to say, I've got to lay that self down, that immaturity down. I've got to lay that old stuff down. I've got to get into something new. And we're told the new comes from God and you're to just hunger and desire it like newborn babes, earnest to desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you would grow by it. So you get this idea of a baby and it's, you know, it gets on your wife's breast and it's hungry for something. It's looking for something. And as it, as it takes the nourishment from the mother, it begins to grow. It begins to get stronger. He says, come to God and suckle from God. Come to his word and drink from his word and let his word change you. Start to lay aside the stuff that has been a shackle through you, a ball and chain around your ankle. Start to lay it aside and start to say, I'm in for change. Change has got to take place in my life. I'm not going to be doing the same thing in 50 years that I was doing last year. I'm in for change. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I'm in for change. Reply to them, you need to be. You need to be. If you're chewed up by the same thing that chewed you up last year, get over it. Ask Jesus to forgive them. He might say, how can you forgive the thing that they did? It was so terrible. Okay, you're not justifying what they did. You're not agreeing with what they did. You're not saying it's right what they did. You're just saying, it's not going to hold me anymore. It held me once, but it's not holding me anymore. You get to forgive them. Get over it. Say, okay, I forgive you. I'll let you go. And when you let them go, you let yourself go free. You'd be free. You'd be free from it. Let them live with it. That's their problem. You be free from it. It's time to change. Time to move in God. The Bible says in John chapter 17, verse 17, this is Jesus' word. He says, sanctify them by thy truth or by your truth. Your word is truth. Now, the word sanctify means to separate. That's a change thing. If you take a person and they're living in a certain situation and you say you want to sanctify yourself, you've got to be separated from the situation and you've got to be put in another situation. We're separated from the old and we're put into the new. We're separated from the old way of life and we're separated to God to do things for God. That's a big shift. That's a major shift there. Because if I was living here and I was doing everything the devil wanted me to do and I was kicking and I was screaming and I was drinking and I was smoking and I was fighting and I was bitter and I was horrible and I got changed and saved out of that, 
I got saved. Yeah, that's separated from that, and I'm put toward God. So my life is now focused toward God. What's the other stuff? Well, you could slip back in there if you want, but I'm not going back there. It had nothing for me when I was back there. It destroyed me when I was there. It took my life. It took my joy. It took my happiness. It condemned me when I was there. You want me to live there? I don't want to live there. I'm separated from that. I am sanctified from that to God. But how does that come about? He says, it's the truth of God's word. You know, the devil's done a, done a mighty sneaky thing in our society. One of the things that he's done is he's, he's taken away the ability to read from our, con- from our, from our people. So if I went around the, the uh, congregation today, I'd say, can you read? There's a portion on our, in, in our church here who can't read the words that are printed on this page. Can't read it. And you know why the devil took that away? He took that away through a lot of little cunning ways. He said, watch TV, rebel against your teachers, don't do what anybody tells you to do, get distracted with work, don't look after your kids, just let them do whatever they want, as long as they're playing video games. And as they go through school, they'll fight, they'll rebel, and they won't read. And when they don't read, the word of God is cut off from them. Change is cut off from them. They can't look at the Word of God. They can't read the truth. It can't separate them from where they're going. They can't. It's all, you see, if the key for life is in here and you can't read, you're lost. You're lost. Unless somebody tells you about it. Unless somebody pours out there and says, let me explain it to you. You're lost because you can't get it. That's what the devil's done. I'd encourage you, if you can't read, to learn to read. Seriously, I'd encourage you to be hardworking and change that factor so you're not held back by that and start to get... Because in God's truth, there's a separation that takes place that takes you out of one place and into another place. And you'll find, as soon as you decide that you want to read, you'll sit down with the Bible and you'll sit down and they'll say, I can't understand this. You'll start, and then there'll be distractions all around the place. There'll be somebody knocking on your door. There'll be somebody ringing the bell. There'll be somebody saying, let me come in. And you'll be thinking, tempted not to read it anymore. You'll be distracted by your TV program that's coming on that you want to watch that more than you want to watch. You'll be distracted by so many things. Why? Because the devil wants to keep you out of the Word of God because the Word of God can change you. It can sanctify you. It can set you apart. It can take you from where you were and put you into a different place. And if you don't take the Word of God, if you don't read the Word of God, you don't listen to the Word of God, you don't obey the Word of God, you are doomed. Because that's the thing that changes you. Oh, I want a different life, but I don't want this stuff. You're just going to have the same stuff come around again, just with a different face. Listen to me. How many flavors of lollies do you get? You got plenty of different flavors of lollies. How much sugar is in a lolly? Too much sugar in a lolly. I don't care what flavor lolly you suck. Just as long as you're sucking something. But if I say eat vegetables and eat fruit, that's not a lolly. See, the devil doesn't care whether you reform your life and say, well, I'm going to be a goody two-shoes now and do it over there. That's just a different flavor of yourself. You're just creating another image of yourself. And it's nothing looking like Jesus. It's completely the same old thing. It's just a different flavor of yourself, a different flavor of... It's still got the sugar in it. It's still deadly. I don't care what flavor you've got. There's plenty of flavors out there. You can be a Buddhist and have that flavor. You can be an Islamist and have that flavor. You can have all kinds of different flavors out there. It's just one word of God. One truth. And that truth can set you free. I'm not surprised that you would have a battle in reading it. Because it is the way to change. It is the source of change. It brings change into our lives. It is the nourishment and the refreshment that comes into us that changes us. It is God's spoken word that brings change into our lives. It takes us from where we were to take us to where he wants us to be. And the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 47, it says, He who is of God hears God's word. 
And so there are people here today who are saying, oh, you know, this is all too much for me. In fact, I'm sitting here, but I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. And I can't change that. I can't affect change in your life. You have to be the one who says, I want to listen to what you have to say. You can say, I don't care. Well, then that's not my problem. That's your problem. And God is actually on your case. And if you're here and you just want to put it out of your head, that's your choice. And if you're not of God, you won't hear these words. But if you are of God and you want to change and you want God to change your life, you will hear these words. But it's not just hearing the word of God that's essential. The Bible tells us in James chapter 1, it's doing the word of God that brings the change. Be not hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So you've got to hear it first before you can do it. But once you hear it, you've got to hear it and you've got to practice it. You've got to put it into practice. Change comes when you take the word of God, you take it inside and you receive it with meekness and say, this is the word of God. This is the thing that can save my soul. And then you say, I need to do what it says. Then you will change. Nothing else will change you. You can't come down to the front. And you can't ask me to put my hand on you like I've got a sweaty hand and put your hand on me and the power of God's going to come down through my hand into you and change you like that. Like a miracle touch. You're going to take away all your problems. You're going to take away all your addictions. You're going to take, just come down the front and get a miracle touch from God. It will not happen. Because change is your choosing to take God's word to change your life, to mold your life around the Word of God and to do the Word of God rather than do what you think is right, to do what you think is best. God's Word is there to change us. It sanctifies us. And if you're of God, you'll hear it. And if you're not of God, you've already you stopped listening a long time ago. You may be hitting, sitting here now, but you stopped listening a long time ago. It's going in and just bouncing onto the floor. You don't care what I'm saying. You've decided to stay where you are because you like your sin rather than you like God. You do not want to change. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 16 tells us what we get from the Word of God. It says here, But you must continue in these things which you have learned and have been assured of. He, Paul is talking to Timothy, his young son in the, in the faith. He says, you've got to continue in this. Keep, keep doing these things, Timothy. Knowing from whom you have uh, learned them and that from your childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation. He's saying these scriptures that you learned, Timothy, when you were a kid, you learned some scriptures there. They are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness or in the right way of living, that the man of God and the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, here's the big test, you see. Here is the tester. There are two words in here that tell us whether you really are a disciple or not. And those two words are the words reproof and correction. Reproof and You know what reproof and correction is? It's somebody telling you that you're not going in the right way, that you need to change what you're doing. That's reproof and correction. If you take a journeyman, if you take a, a carpenter, I was, I'm a carpenter, and sometimes we would get guys who wanted to do an apprenticeship and they'd come work with us. So I am the carpenter and I teach the apprentice how to do the job that he's meant to do. So that enti entails thing called reproof and correction. Everybody say reproof, reproof, correction. Correction. That means you're not doing it right. I'm going to tell you a different way. I'm going to tell you the right way to do it. This is the way it should be done. Now, what we have in our society is a lot of young people who think that they know everything and they don't want to be told anything by anybody. So you come and tell a, an apprentice today and say, look, that's not the way that you cut the timber or that's not the way that you clean the door or that's not the way that you... This is the way we do it. And they say, what do you know? What do you know? I can do whatever I want. Why is it your way? Why is your way the only way? I can do what I want to do. Anyway, see, there's an attitude problem here. Big attitude problem because they don't want to have any reproof or any correction. They don't want to be told that what they're doing is not correct. I, I talked to one bloke. I said to him, we were working in a house and there was a, it's an antique house. It's got very old doors, very expensive doors, old timber doors. 
we had to take the timber door and we had to fit it into the hole because it wasn't it, the house is moving and we straightened the house up there we had to fit the door it's an old door it's an expensive door i said to this young fella i said i want you to describe that door in the i explained to him how to do that i explained to him this is how you scribe a door i'm teaching an apprentice how to do something the expert is teaching the learner how to do something so that he has a skill to operate in life. I come back and the young fellow says, it doesn't work. I said, what doesn't work? And I look and this expensive door is destroyed because he has started at the top, drew a line to the bottom, cut off an inch all the way down. He did not scribe it into the door. He decided he was going to do it his way and just cut half an inch off or an inch off the whole door. Of course, it was hanging on the gap in the bottom. It was terrible. The thing was, the door was destroyed. Why? Because he didn't want to be reproved and he didn't want to receive any instruction. He did not want to learn from somebody who knew. Now, listen, life is like that. There are so many people go through life and I know whether they're a disciple or not. And you know why? Because they don't want to change. They don't want to be told that they need to change. They read the word of God and God says, you know, stop this. They say, well, what will you know, God? They enter into this whole exercise and say, God, you know what? Unless it's my way, you can go to hell. As though you can tell God what to do. Friends, I want to tell you, when God speaks to you through his word, he expects you to follow because he knows you don't. That's the bottom line. He knows you don't. In fact, if you knew so well, why were you in the hole that you were in? If you knew so well, why did it take you so long to come to the light? If you knew so well, how come the devil had you all bound up? If you knew so well, you don't know all so well. That's why you need to have reproof and correction because the word of God is good to change you. And if you listen to the word of God, if you take the word of God, if you apply the word of God and you do the word of God, you will change to become more like the perfect human Jesus wants you to be. Friends, it's about being teachable. Teachable. Submitting to another, which is not what we do in our individual country. Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you tell me what, I'll do my own thing. I'll tell you what's right and wrong for me. Don't you put your beliefs onto me. Friend, when we come to God, we say to God, God, I haven't a clue. I messed up my life so bad. Whatever you say, I'll do. It's simple. It's simple. When I got down on my knees, when I was, Jesus, if you would take me back, because I've been such a bad lad, I'll do whatever you say. I'm sorry. If you can take my life and it's screwed up, and I was only 18 and it was screwed up, I felt it was screwed up. I said, if you take me back, I'll serve you. You know what he did? He told me, this is what I want you to do. And it was something I did not want to do. I was on my knees and I said, I'll do anything. And he said, do this. And I did not want to do it. He said, go back to your mother and father and tell them you're sorry for all the way you've been there. Mate, I had to go back. That was the hardest thing I had. Do you remember that day? Come in the deal and say, sorry, dad. Sorry, mom. You were right. I was wrong. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go to your sister and say sorry to your sister. I didn't want to do that. I'm right. She's wrong. No, I didn't want to. But God says, you do what I tell you to do because I know what I'm doing. Friends, if I'd sat there and said, you know what, God? I'm going to follow you, but I'm not going to do that. You're not following God. You're following yourself still. And you haven't finished with the pain because the pain's still coming at you. It's going to stay with you until you learn to give it up and do what God wants you to do. Because the word of God is good. It will teach you the right thing. It says it's good for reproof. When it sees you doing something wrong, it will fix it up and put you on the right track. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't want to go that way. That thing will, you know... If I would kept on going, I know what happens because I saw another bloke who didn't change and I saw what happened to him. <laughs> it's good for correction. 
And buddy, I need correction. We all need correction because we don't have it clear in our minds. He says that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means that you are equipped, that you're prepared for everything that God... You know, one of the worst things that you can have in life is having an opportunity but not having the, the ability to take that opportunity. How bad is that, eh? Here, I give you an opportunity and because you didn't do the discipline, you didn't do the thing that you did, you missed the opportunity because you weren't prepared to do the hard yards beforehand. You see, if I did my schooling, if I'd only done my schooling, this opportunity that just come to me, I'd be able to take it, but you know, I was too busy playing. School was a social event. What I did at school was stirred and mucked around and didn't pay any attention. And then the most opportunities came your way. You couldn't take them. Somebody else took them. Because you missed your opportunity. Because you were too busy doing your own thing. Not switched on. Not hooked in. Those opportunities come round again. They come around again. They always come around. God, make sure they come around. But are you going to prepare yourself for the next time it comes around? Or are you going to miss the opportunity again when it comes knocking at your door? In John chapter 15 verse 3 says, You are already clean because of the word which I spoke to you. Now let me, let me get something clear here. We're not saying that you have to do the word of God to be accepted by God. Okay? I'm not saying that you need to do the word of God to be accepted by God. I'm saying the person who is accepted by God will do the word of God. But listen, when Jesus speaks into our life, he cleans your life. So that, John, when you, when you gave your heart to Jesus, I, I remember how many years ago? It was a number of years ago now. 17 years ago? Yeah, we were in another school hall in, in, in Runcorn. And uh, Terry had been there for a couple of months and, and then you decided to come along. You sat in the church. He came to church. He sat there. And at the end of the service, John, you, you, you came to the front. You just said you wanted to... You wanted to give your life to Jesus, hey. And, and he, he, just prayed a, he just prayed a very simple prayer. I think it was, Lord, save me. Something like that, just Lord, save me. Sincere from his heart, Lord, save me. And you said, you felt like you were cleansed. All through. Right through your whole life. Everything had washed away. You'd been a bad boy up until that point of time, hadn't you? And all that had been washed away. Everything had been cleansed. The word of God cleanses us. Now, John didn't have to do the word of God to get the cleansing. The, the word of God cleansed him. It came first. The cleansing came first. But obedience to God's words makes sure that the cleansing stays. Obedience to God's words makes sure it becomes a permanent fixation in my life. You know, doing the word of God makes sure that what God does through the word of God stays in your life and stays endures in your life. You see, we can get, the word of God can cleanse us and then we can go back to the vomit and eat it again. Or we can go back to the, like a pig to the mud and, and swim in the mud. Why? Because we don't value what the word of God has done. The word of God cleanses us. And it's obedience to the word of God that makes that cleansing permanent in our lives. You can lose it if you don't use it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says, and now, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Now, the word of God builds you up and gives you an inheritance, a future. That's what an inheritance is, a future. It builds you up, strengthens you, and gives you a future. Now, Jesus in chapter, Matthew chapter 7, he, he actually he articulated this very carefully. I think I'll put it on the next slide. Nothing happens if you don't obey his word. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 26, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and then he tells you a little story. He who hears these words of mine and does them. Turn to your neighbor and say, hear this and do it. Mm -hmm. Hear it and do it. Jesus says, if you hear it and do it, then this is what it's going to be like. He says, there's a, there's a guy, he's going to go and he's building a house. And one guy's building his house on the sand. 
He's building his house on the sand. He said, once he'd finished building his house on the sand, he stood back and he looked at his house. His mighty fine house had got there. And then the wind started to blow and the rain started to come and the waves started to beat upon the house. And great was the fall of the house. The house fell down. After the winds and the waves and the storms of life hit the house, there was no foundation in the house and the house fell over. He says, there was another man and he's building a house and he's building on a foundation of rock. He says, the winds, after he finished, mighty fine house I got there. After the, he'd finished, the winds came and the rain came and the waves beat up. And guess what? The house stood firm. Now, what was the difference between the house that was built on the sand and the house that was built on a rock? The foundation. But what did Jesus say? If you wanted to be the house that was built upon the rock, what do you have to do? You have to hear these words and you have to do these words. If you don't do these words, you will collapse. You can say, I'm sitting there, I'm listening to you, Mark. I come along and I listen to you. But you know what? I'm hearing, but I'm not doing. You know what? The storms and the winds are going to come and hit you. And you will not stand because Jesus said you will collapse. You will collapse. Why? Because you don't do the word. It's essential to do the word. It's not, it's not about hearing the word. You can sit and listen to sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon on YouTube. You can fill your life with listening to tapes, gazette tapes, listening to whatever you like. Or you can hear sermons coming, to, like, coming at you. You can recite sermons back to me. It doesn't matter. It's not about what you're hearing. It's about what you're doing that makes the difference. Nothing changes. You can sit here and listen to me and nothing will change. My words don't have the power to change you. Your actions change you. Your behavior changes you. So when you take God's word and you say, God, I, 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 you want me to, to switch that off now? You want me to read this now? You want me to stop that now? It's when you agree with God and you do what God says, then change starts to take a permanent effect in your life. You start to get different every day. He's just looking for you. He wants to change you. You're on his wheel and he's got his fingers in your clay. Jesus wants to make you into something different to what you've been. But you've got to let him push his fingers into your clay. And that's letting him do what he wants to do is you changing your mind about what you're doing and starting to do what he wants you to do. And Acts chapter 20 verse 32 says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance if you obey it. That's not there. I just put that there. That's not actually... That's not written there, but that's in the, the word. You've got to obey it. You can't just hear it. You've got to do it. And John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered them and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. You say, oh, well, I want God living with me. I want God in my life. I want God. Some of you want God in your life, but you don't want to. <laughs> it's this way God I want you to come and live from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday but please don't come around on Friday because on Friday you wouldn't like where I go in fact it's not your scene you stay away on Friday I'll pick you up on Saturday and we'll go to church on Sunday but Friday night that's my night Jesus you wouldn't like to be there because I'm going somewhere you wouldn't like to be It's like, you know, I want God, I want the good stuff from God, but you know, when it comes to stopping something, changing something, doing something different, if it's not what I want, I just tell God to hang off there. There was a skit, you know, that, that it went something like this. You know, the guy said, um, you know, God, um, we stay here. Come here, young man. You can, you can work this one through me, okay? You're Jesus. 
You look like Jesus. Where's your beard? I like that. I like you. Come and come with me. I want to walk with Jesus through life. Hey, we we make a good mix. Jesus and me. He helps me do what I need to do. You're you're my hero, Jesus. You like me too? That's good. Come, Jesus. We're going to go over here. Hey, but you know, this is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Ah, it's Friday, Jesus. Now, can you stay home? I've got some magazines here. You can read these books and stuff. But just stay home. I'm going out. No, Jesus, I told, stay home. You just sit down here, please. So I'm going out now. Okay. See you, Jesus. Look, I've said to you, Jesus, you can't come where I'm going. It's not your scene. You're not going to like it. Just sit there and stay there. Now I'm going out. Look, Jesus, how many times do I have to tell you? Stay there. I'm going out. You got the point? You crucify Christ again because you decide not to follow him. You expect him to stay at home when you do the wrong thing rather than recognizing he comes with you to change you into what you are not. So you don't do the same things again. You sit down, Jesus. <laughs> when you keep his word, you guard it and you protect it with your life. You say, his word is more important than your life. You don't tell Jesus to hang over there. You say, come with me, Jesus. If I'm going to go to a place that is not real good, you come with me so that we can bring the word of God to these people and I can get to this person and say, you don't need to come here in the nightclub and do this and all this stuff. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Get, leave the stuff. Cut it off. Now now we've got one out there. Let's go back to the nightclub again and let's get another one and come to Jesus now. I know people who go to nightclubs for the very reason of winning them for Jesus, not because they're getting down and looking hot. They're not looking there for the flesh. They're looking there for the soul. And there's nothing wrong with going into a nightclub looking for souls. If that's what you're doing. Make sure that's what you're doing. And you're not there just to make yourself look hot. (laughs) You keep his word. If you love him. You take his word and you keep his word. You hold it to you. You protect it. It's his word. You do it. And he says, I will come and the Father will come and we will live with you. When you take the word of God and do the word of God, he says, let's live life together. Well, I'd like that. I'd like that a lot. I like walking with Jesus, hey. I'd rather walk with Jesus than the devil, hey. The devil, he looks like your friend. He says, come this way, come this way. I'll give you a good time. I'll give you this. Now, once you're having a good time, he puts you down and kicks you in the guts. Ah, now you're addicted. You're foul. And he puts you down some more. He says, have a little bit of more of something. So he gives you a little bit more of something. And now he's got you down. He says, take that one. And in the end, you'll go on top yourself. You'll feel so lost. You'll, you don't know what to do. You'll get a rope and you'll hang yourself up and screw yourself to the wall to kill yourself because your life is so horrible. And don't say it doesn't happen, it happens. You might walk with the devil, he's out to kill you, to steal you, and to destroy your life. He doesn't want you to grow, he doesn't want you to change, doesn't want you to become effective, doesn't want you to be equipped. He wants to kill you. You keep playing with the devil, he will kill you. As sure as, as sure as, as sure as anything is anything, he will destroy you and he will destroy everything about you. you got life and death before you. Choose wisely. Life or death. Walking with Jesus, changing from where you were to change by his word to become what he wants you to be. Or death. I'm not changing. It's everybody else's problem. It's not my problem. It's everybody else's fault. Everybody else is to blame. I'm the victim here. Take some of your responsibility and own yourself, will you? And recognize that you can change if you put your trust in the word of God. God will help you change. 
Stand up on the inside. It's time to change. You know, change is... We don't like change. We really don't like change. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable, and it's painful. But if you're a frog in hot water, you better change your environment. Because if somebody turns up the heat in the hot water, you'll just get comfortable until you're cooked. You need change. The Word of God brings you change when you obey Him. He speaks to you. He speaks into your life. And it says in Psalm 119, verses 9 to 11, I like those three verses. I think it's, yours has just got verse 11 there. But I like, it says, How shall a young man cleanse his way? How many young men here? I'm one. How many other young men are here? Good to see you, Robert. And yeah, good to see some of you. You know what? You're as young as you feel. Are you feeling young, Dad? I mean, if you looked at Methuselah, you're quite young. Methuselah died at 900 and what? 69 years old. How old are you, Dad? 82. You're, you're still young. Still young. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me. You're not too young to change. And you're not too old to say, oh, I can't change. You can. God can bring the change. God can bring the change. If you want to change, change is there. Just do what God says. It's uncomfortable. Yes, I know. You'll go through some difficult times, but you'll get used to the, you'll get used to the pain. You'll get used to the pain. How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed, listening to, doing the word of God. With my whole heart have I sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments, says the young man. I don't want to wander from what you want me to do, God. I'm hanging on to you. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So what he's saying is, I'm going to take your word and I'm going to bury it into my life so that it's there inside of me. So I, Sometimes it's tough to put the word of God into you. I remember as a young man, after I gave my heart to Jesus, I had a lot of other thoughts running around in my head. And I thought, there's only one way that I can change the thoughts in my head. Ram new thoughts in there. So I used to go up into an attic that I had in the house that Dad had built. I had this little room, it was like an attic, and I would sit up in the top of the attic and I had a full scap page full of uh, note paper, like this. And I'd start at the top and I'd say, Psalm 119 verses 9 says, how shall a young man keep his way clean? By keeping it according to the word. Put my hand over it, old-fashioned way of learning. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, how shall a young man keep his way clean? By keeping it according to the word. Now, what does that mean to me? I have to obey you. I talk to God about what that meant to me. Oh, what's that verse say again? Psalm 119 verse, and I would sit there for hours and hours and hours and ram the word into my mind to change my mind so it would change my life. Psalm 119, verse 11. How thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And then tomorrow I'd get up again. I'd go back up in there and I'd say, oh, I just don't want to do it. I'm sleeping today. I'd get up there again and I'd put that. And I have the scripture reference there. I said, what is that? What's Psalm 119, verse 9? What does that say? Come on, mind. Think. Think. And I put my mind on the word of God. And how often did I do that? Day after day after day after day until it's there. It's always there. I look at the I look at my, my this is how crazy I am. I look I, you you look at and you see three twenty on the phone in the morning, digital. Three twenty. You say it's three twenty. You know what I say? Ephesians three twenty says. That's what goes on in my mind. See, Ephesians 3.20 says. I look there and I say, it's uh, 6.36 in the morning. What my mind says, Matthew 6.36 says. Because I've did it so often, so often, so often, so often. I'm stuck now in here. You think that's bad? You think that's dumb? You think I've been brainwashed? You would have seen my brains before I started doing that. They needed a good clean. I would sit there in the morning and I would think about adulterous thoughts. I'd think about doing wicked things. I'd think about who I could go and screw next week. 
I'd think about all the things that I shouldn't do. I'd lay in my bed and meditate about all the things that God didn't want me to do. I stopped that and I started thinking about his word. That made a huge difference in my life. I stopped taking drugs. I stopped drinking. I stopped doing the stuff I shouldn't do. I stopped exploiting people. I started living for God. That made a difference. What do you want? What do you want in your life? You want to just keep on doing the thing that you're always doing? Or you want to change? Change is good. Change is essential. Change takes us to where God wants us to be. Change makes a difference in our lives. It's easy to stay where you are. A dead man does not move. Shake yourself. God, I don't want to be dead. Help me move, God. I don't want to be dead. Help me do something, God. I don't want to be dead. Help me read something. I don't want to read this. Read it. I don't want to read it. I don't like reading. I hate reading. Read it. Change. The Word of God can change you. You look at your life, some of you who've been in, in a better place than you are today, and you think back of where, why you were in a better place than you are today. I'll tell you this. It was when you were reading God's word and learning God's word that you're in a better place than you are today. My counsel to you is get back onto that horse again, ride that horse, and start reading and memorizing God's word like you used to because you get into a better place than you are today. It changes you. But it's not just God's word coming to you. It's a dialogue. It's, it's me talking to God. It's a relationship. It's just not one way. It's God talking to me, God speaking to me, and me talking to God. It's a relationship. It's not a ritual. It's not church, going to church on Sunday, putting your money in your plate and getting going home. It's a, it's a walk with Jesus. It's a talk with Jesus. It's, it's living a relationship with Jesus. So it's him talking to me and me communicating back to him. And that communication is called prayer. We're becoming friends with God. We're talking about what's going on. Michael says there, he'll be reading the Word of God and he would talk to God like God's getting intimate with him. He says, he says, Michael, I know what you're doing. You know, I see this and I don't like what you're doing, Michael. You know, I, and, and Michael knows he's talking because he's got a conscience inside. It's feeling kind of bad. And so now the Holy Spirit's speaking to Michael and Michael's saying, you're in my proximity, aren't you? You're around my face. Hey, I can't escape you. And I thank God that I can't escape you because now you want me to change. Now you want me to, and I'm talking to him now. I'm, I'm asking him. I'm speaking to him. Michael starts speaking to God. This is a dynamic. It's not just you doing a church thing, reading the book. It's there. You're talking to him about what you're reading. You start reading the Word of God and you feel something. I feel it. I'm feeling this is speaking to me. How many times did you pick up the Bible, you read something, you go, shoom, right into you. It just hit you like that. It was like it, it, you knew it was speaking right at you. You thought, I'll just open it up and I'll just go, bang, and he, bang, and he hits you. Oh, I don't like that one. You come back and you go, oh, bang, and hits you again. Your friend is near. Jesus, your friend, the word of God, who's speaking to you through the word of God, is near you and he's speaking to you and he wants you to speak back to him. He's, he's asked you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, he says. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be filled. This dialogue is initiated by Jesus. He's saying to you, come here, let's sit down and talk together. Beautiful. You sit in the Word of God, you start to read the Word of God, and then you feel it speak to you, and, and he says, come, let's talk about that. And so you now can talk to Father God about what's happening in your life. He's encouraging you to come. Come, ask, speak to me, talk to me, communicate with me. It's prayer. What does it sound like? Oh, Father, full of great strength and might, in thy great wisdom we come to thee now. No, 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 no. That's not what prayer is. It's like talking to him. I, you know, I feel kind of like this is hitting me. I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't like this, Jesus. I don't like what you just said to me. I want to do my own thing. It's telling him what's happening on the inside. It's talking to him, pouring it out to him, and letting him talk back to you. And your joy is really full if you've got that happening. 
If God is talking to you and you're talking to God, you've got fullness of joy. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 to 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have. And if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You say, well, what is the will of God? I don't know what the will of God is. Everything that Jesus did when he was on earth, that's the will of God. Hebrews chapter 10, verses uh, 7, it says, Therefore, behold, I have come to do, behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do your will, O God. This is Jesus. He says, I've come to do your will, God. So everything that Jesus did in the Bible, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, everything that he did is the will of God. Is it God's will that you be free from those demonic things that are pressing on your life? You betcha. Why? Because Jesus cast out demons. Is it God's will that you be healed from sickness? You betcha it's God's will that you be healed from sickness. Why? Because Jesus healed people from sickness. Is it God's will that, that you are provided for in life? Why did Jesus provide for people? Of course it is. It's God's will because Jesus did it. Whatever Jesus did, that's the will of God. It's as simple as that. If Jesus did it, God, is it God's will that you be saved and not sent to hell? Of course it is. Why? Because Jesus came. He, he came to save them that were lost. Oh, my life's doomed. I'm not going to ever be saved. But that's not God's will. If you pray according to God's will, you get you have the confidence that he hears you. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. We know, if I'm asking according to what he wants to do, I know he's listening to me and I can have the confidence that he will come through for me. This is the problem we have. You know, we ask God for something and because he doesn't give it to us straight away, we don't have it immediately, like it says in James chapter 1. We get doubting happening. We waver. And the word doubt is an interesting word because it means to quit. It means to to determine to give a judgment and decide and to dispute. So it's like, I'm waiting here. You didn't come through for me. Okay, it's all rubbish. I'm out of here. Why? How, how long did you wait? I waited a half an hour and he didn't answer my prayer. You waited a half an hour and then you threw God out with the baby out with the bathwater. You didn't answer your prayer in a half an hour. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. It's all rubbish. Well, what about the man who waited for 25 years before he got the promise? 25 years, but he didn't... He didn't quit. He just waited and waited for 25. And then God answered his prayer. Wavering or doubting is saying, I quit. And Jesus said quite clearly in a, in a passage of scripture in Luke chapter 18, he talked about a woman who came to a judge and the judge was an unrighteous judge and he would not listen to the woman. And the woman came and said, she pleaded, come on, my case, this is my case. You've got to do something, judge. And she'd come back again the next day. And she pleaded to come on, you've got to do something, judge. And the judge didn't care about it. He didn't care whether she got justice or not. He didn't care about her. He didn't care about her situation. But he said, you know what? I am sick of her coming back over and over and over again. I'm going to give her what she wants because she will not leave me alone. Wouldn't quit. Kept on keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. Would not quit, not once. Didn't throw it in. And then he says something really interesting. He says, if the unjust just was like that, judge was like that, he said, how much more would I give you what you want if you keep on coming and asking me? Keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Keep on asking. And then he says, John Stone, he says, when the Son of Man comes again, will he find faith on the earth? When Jesus comes about, this is where we're living, about the time Jesus is going to come back. You look at what you say, the world's getting in a very messy place now. You look at what's happening in the news, the Middle East. This is all prophesied in Scripture. This is all going to happen before the end times. This is what is going to happen before Jesus comes back again. It is being fulfilled. Scripture is being fulfilled as we're speaking. You can look on the newspaper. You can see the fulfillment of Scripture. It's all going to happen. All of the nations are going to turn against Israel. All the Arab tribes are going to get together and they're going to have one common goal. And they're going to turn on Israel and they're going to try and push Israel. The Islamic things are going to try and push Israel into the sea. That's in the Bible. This is not just hocus pocus. It's just happened. The Bible prophesied this is going to take place. It's going to take place. It says, these are the days we're living. He says, when we're living in these days, will the Son of Man find people who will not quit? Oh, I've got to have it. If you don't give it to me today, I'm going to quit. Friend, don't quit. Doubt. Disputing God. Hang in there. Hang in there. Hang in there. You might not understand. Hang in there. Don't quit. In John chapter 
First John chapter 3, verse 22. And whatever you are, we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and those things and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. You see, there's the condition, doing things that are pleasing in his sight. And Romans chapter 8, verse 26 tells us that you don't have to worry about being alone in this world because the Holy Spirit is there and he understands what you're going through. And sometimes it gets so heavy and so depressing and so hard. Sometimes you can't even say words when you're praying. Sometimes you sit in there and the heavy weight is so heavy upon you that you don't know what to say. And there are no words to say it. There's just a big heavy weight on the inside. And so who's been there this week? Big weight on the inside. Just aching, hurting, pain on the inside, and you cannot utter words. You know what the Bible says? Just groan. Just groan. Because you're groaning. Jesus is uttering a prayer to the Father. The Holy Spirit is praying through you. Just sometimes it's, oh, and that's all it is. It's, and that's going up to God. God is standing there and saying, I'm just praying there. The Holy Spirit's praying there, praying there for me. Why? I, can't, I don't even have the words. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to express it. I can't tell you what it is. It's just a weight that is so heavy inside of me. Just so painful inside. I can't express it. All I just is groan. And it's the Holy Spirit. And he's praying to the Father. Lord Jesus, strengthen Mark now. Help him in his time of grief. Be there for him. Strengthen him. Give him wisdom. He's there interceding for you just with words that cannot be uttered, groaning on the inside. That's what the word says. So much so is he wanting to communicate. He comes and lives with you and helps the communication process because he wants to walk with you and talk with you and change you to be what God wants you to be. You can't keep living in the life that you've been living You've got to watch and you've got to pray that you don't enter into those temptations. You've got to change to become more like Jesus. And this is Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in us. You know what? Take the word of God. Read it, read it, read it. Ask Jesus to come and live within you. Start to talk to him. Change your behavior so that you conform to what he wants you to do. Let that change take place and you will not even be able to express the things that he can do for you. He can do it all and he can bring it out of your life from the power of God that's inside you. Some of you are sitting here now and you've seen some significant changes that have taken place over the last year. Significant changes in your life. Did you do it? Was it how was that? You, are you smoking now? No, you're not smoking now. How long were you smoking? 46 years. 46 years. Huh? You stopped like, like that? Hmm. How did you do that? Yeah, not through my strength, he says. Addicted to cigarettes. 46. How many times did you try and stop? With that number? Heaps and heaps and heaps. And then it stopped. Just one. Bang. Stop. Finish. You don't even imagine what God can do when he's inside of you. You can't, even, you can't even think what God can do when he's inside of you. You start doing the word of God, start giving yourself to the word of God, start praying and asking Jesus for help. You can't even imagine what he can stop in an instance like that. You can just bang and you're different. You know what? Did you like your smoking before? But you liked them because you kept on... You, you liked it, but you hated them. You, you get that? I like it, but I hate it. The thing I shouldn't do, I love it. And then afterward, I feel guilty about it. I wish I could get this chain off my life. I wish I could be free. You know what? I'm stuck. I'm all chained up. I'm all tied up. I'm all tied up. You know, listen to the word of God. It's coming to you now. He wants you to be free. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think through the power that is in us. You know, I couldn't even imagine stopping, says Quinton. I couldn't even imagine of what that what would be the. I couldn't even imagine that. And the one day Jesus just took it away and he decided that was it. I'm not doing this anymore. And God gave him the power to do it. Now listen, friends. You can stay where you are. 
or you can let your life glorify God. You can let your prayers come up and change your life so that you begin to glorify him. Now, whatever you ask in my name, that I, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So what do you want in life? Do you want to be the big note? Do you want to be the one? I want to stay you there and tell you how I changed my life. You'll be all glad to, to come and talk to me because once you talk to me, you'll find out how I did it, how I did it, how I changed my life. Well, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest smelly thing you've ever seen. It's all about me and what I did. Listen, if you want something out of this change, you come to the wrong place because in the end of the exercise, it's Jesus. When he changes your life, you know, it wasn't what Mark did. It's what Jesus did that changed Mark. It's his word that changed me. And he's the one who receives the glory. It's like Jesus. When I go to heaven, I'm not going to stand there and walk up there and say, oh, you know, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be glad you picked me, Jesus. I'm just a man. <laughs> I'll be on my face. I'll be crying. I'm just so glad to be here, Jesus. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to do anything. You are my source. You are my all. You are everything. You know, friends, prayer and the Word of God. Simple. Instrumental in change. Changing your life. You stop reading the Word of God. You stop listening to what God is saying to you. You stop talking to God and you will go down that slippery track and you will end up in a worse place than you've ever been before. There's only one road out. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one road out of where you are. And that's with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would help us to understand this truth. That your word is life to us. It's your word that brings nourishment and change to us. It's your word that produces growth in us, Lord, that produces the ability to change, Lord Jesus. Your Holy Spirit within us, you speak to us, and you talk to us, and you walk with us, and you, you correct us, and you reprove us. All that we would be changed to your likeness, that we would bring you glory, that Jesus would be the best. Lord, I ask for this congregation right now, for all those who sat and listened to this sermon, Father, that they would have a a new passion for your word, Lord. A real desire for communicating with you, Jesus. And that you would change them and take them from where they are to where they can be in you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.